following is a podcast of 19 North, a young adults ministry at Victory Family Church. For more details, see 19north.tv. I have Louis Phillips here. Louis Phillips uh, travels with Silver Ring Thing. He's a national speaker. He goes around the whole United States and he preaches about God's plan with purity. And he is doing such an amazing job. This is his third year with Silver Ring Thing. And I wanted to give him an opportunity to share tonight, not about purity or sex, but about God's love. And he spoke at Thrive a a totally different message, which is our high school ministry. And he has a a message specific for you guys. So I believe that God um, is going to speak to every one of us if our hearts is open to receive what he has for us. So let's just uh, stretch our hands out to Louie as we pray for him uh, as we open up tonight. Dear Father God, I just thank you, Lord, for your Holy Spirit. Lord, I thank you that you can move inside of our service. You can move inside of our hearts, God. I thank you, Lord, for Louis Phillips, a man of God that you have created him to be. God, I thank you, Lord, that as he imparts your wisdom, as he imparts your knowledge and and your words, Lord, that our hearts would be open to receive all that you have for us. God, I thank you, Lord, that you are in here. You're in our midst, God. And I thank you, Lord, for Louis and the gifts and the call that he has on his life. God, we put a a demand on the grace of his life, not on a specific person, but the demand on the grace and gift that you have on his life, God. And just let us have all that you have for us tonight in your name. Amen. 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 Thank you very much, Zach. Uh, It really is a privilege to be here. Um, As Zach says, um, I typically only talk to teenagers about sex. So to talk to People my age about something different is really, really something else, and I'm very excited for that because if I feel like I only have one wheelhouse. It's either apologetics or, or sex, so I'm really happy to do something different here tonight. Um, so we're going to do the sexuality of apologetics, and it'll be fun. No, I'm just messing. Um, no, uh, what it is, it's really cool because Zach asked me um, like, I don't know, a month ago or something, he said, hey, would you be willing to talk in 19 North? And I was so excited about it. And I asked Zach, I was like, what, what, is there a topic you want me to talk about? And he says, the love of God. I'm like, Thanks, Zach. That's the most broad topic ever. There's nothing. I was like, yeah, love of God. That's great. There's so many things. Um, and uh, as I was praying and as I was asking God, I'm like, God, what, what aspect of your love do you want me to talk about? Um, I felt like he told me this. I kind of fought it a little bit because it's not the easiest topic. So I kept praying, kept getting the same thing. And so you're going to get it. Uh, it's the refining love of, of God. And um, I don't want to portray it as like something that's it's, it's difficult to get into or anything like that. But it is... Um, it's a tough message in a lot of ways, um, but I really, really am so honored to be here. Uh, also, as you guys know, I'm not a pastor, um, so all of this is straight up, I stole it from someone else. Like, none of it's original, I promise you. Like, I, I, I listen to a lot of podcasts, I, li- I read a lot of books, that's about it. Um, I might get so excited that I cuss tonight, I don't even know. And I'm just, no, I'm just joking. But I did cuss on stage one time in front of teenagers, that didn't work out well, so... It was an accident, but anyway. Okay, so has anybody ever uh, watched the show Gold Rush on Discovery? Anybody? Yeah, so we got some rednecks, and that's awesome. Um, I don't watch the show because I'm civilized, but I, I have seen the show. Um, I have seen the show, and it's fascinating to me because it's just a bunch of redneck hillbillies going out digging for dirt. But what I find so fascinating about this show is this. At the end of the story, they make it appear like nothing's going to happen. They're never going to get it, and all of a sudden, they're not going to meet their quota. Then all of a sudden, blah, 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 they get it, and it's like, oh, yeah. But it's not all that impressive if you're being real stuff. Because when you see what they get, you're like, that's just like dirt. Like, what are you talking about? It's like, that ain't gold. And the, what the thing is about that is these professionals, if you want to call them that, um, these professionals, they see something inside that that we don't, right? They see that this is very valuable, that it just needs to be worked out. That there's impurities that just need to be refined, right? 
And so 12 times in the Bible, at least 12 times, um, God is referred to as a refining fire, that his relationship with us is one of refinement. And um, this is really, really sweet when you think of it, because rather than just saying, all right, I love you, I'm going to send my son to die for you, going to save you, and I'm just going to let you go, he says, no, no, I'm going to save you. I'm going to give you that way out, but then I'm going to work on you too. I'm not just going to let you live in your sin. I want to refine you. I want to create you to be more and more like my son every single day. Um, And because of that, guys, I want you to understand this. Before we get into this message, God sees you so valuable, it's not even funny. Like, there is not a a money value above your head that he would say, okay, that's enough. Like, there's no price for you. Like, that's how God views you. The God who created everything, who could just speak something in this, sees you as priceless. And so every single day, God is trying to make us more and more like Christ, ultimately for our joy and for his glory. God is ruthlessly about your joy because he wants his glory. You understand? All right? And so um, I think one of the best examples of this in the Bible, uh, one of the, uh, a story of God's love and God's um, relationship with us as refinement is um, in the book of Malachi, uh, chapter 3. No, it's not about offerings. So if you grew up in church, we're not, don't get the plates out. We're not going to take a tithe. Um, it's Malachi 3. Um, and again, just real quick, uh, guys, I just want to note, when I'm reading this, this is the word of God. If, if anything I say tonight doesn't line up, throw it out. Like, I, I'm, not, I'm not a professional. Um, but if you are going to listen to anything I'm saying tonight, just listen to this, because this doesn't return back void. It's the, word, the, God of, uh, the word's God. Jeez, the word of God. So, with that, we're going to go straight into it. Malachi uh, 3, verse 1. It says, Behold, I send my messenger, and he will prepare the way before me. That's just a reference to John the Baptist. And the Lord whom you seek will suddenly come to his temple, and the messenger of the, co- of the covenant in whom you delight. Behold, he is coming, says the Lord of hosts. So I'll just stop there for one second. Uh, so the people of God are looking for a savior right now. Um, they were just, they, they've been oppressed, they've been enslaved, but now the temple is being reestablished, and they're looking for the Savior, and, and they want their enemies pushed to their fringes. But see, right here in verse 2, it takes, a, it takes an odd turn if you're paying attention. It says, but who can endure the day of his coming? Who can stand when he appears? So you get that, they're like, oh, we can't wait, we want the Savior, but then it's like, but who can endure? Um, again in verse 2, uh, for he is like a refiner's fire and like fuller's soap. He will sit as a refiner and purify, and purifier of silver, and he will purify the sons of Levi and refine them like gold and silver. And they will bring offerings in righteousness to the Lord. Then the offering of Judah and Jerusalem, and God, Judah and Jerusalem, that's just a reference to the people of God. If you have a hard time with that because you're American, just chill. I promise you, you'll see it. We can talk about how Trump will make America better again. But after, <laughs> um, they're just saying people of God. So just divorce that idea for a second. You can watch cold rush after this. Um, it says, then the offering of Judah and Jerusalem will be pleasing to the Lord as in the days of old and as in former years. Then I will draw nearly to you for judgment. I will be swift, I will be a swift witness against the sorcerers, against the adulterers, against those who swear falsely, against those who pre- oppress the hired worker in his wages, the widow and the fatherless, against those who thrust aside the sojourner, just immigrant, and do not fear me, says the Lord. This, this next verse, verse 6, the last verse, is huge. So listen, if, you highlight, if, you, if you're a highlighter, you like to do that something about it, highlight this verse. For I, the Lord, do not change. Therefore, you, O children of Jacob, are not consumed. All right, so let's pray before we get in. Father, I just thank you so much for 19 North. I thank you for the opportunity to speak. Um, 
really to a group of people that, that have the ability to change the world for you, Father. Um, Father, I ask that anything that I say tonight would be of you, and if it is not, let it fall on deaf ear. But what is of you, let it, let it captivate their hearts. Father, let it refine them. Let them see you, just another aspect of who you are, ultimately for your glory. Say all this in your son's name. Amen. Okay, so with that, guys, after reading that scripture, I have one point tonight, just one. It's not necessarily going to be easy to get there. It's not necessarily going to be a short sermon. But one point, it's this. God is at work in the mess. That's it. That's all I want you to really hold on to. God is at work in the mess. And look, we can, because if you look at life right now, if, you're in, if anybody here that's living, should be all of us, you know life's messy. There are some times in life where it is just difficult. It's hard. And this sermon is just going to be, God is at work. That's all I want you to know. So let me just go back to verse 2 real quick. It says, for the, for the P, the coming of Christ, is like a refiner's fire and like fuller's soap. He will sit as a refiner and purifier of silver, and he will purify the sons of Levi and refine them like gold and silver. And they will bring offerings in righteousness to the Lord. Then the offering of Judah and Jerusalem, again, the people of God, will be pleasing to the Lord as in the days of old and as in former years. So, again, let's just get the, the perspective of what's going on right here. Um, these, the people of God had just been um, released from captivity, just freed from slavery. The temples built, sacrifices of God have resumed. Um, but the problem is people become complacent. And that's really the, the rhythm of God's people, right? We complain when he's not there. When he does show up, then we get complacent, right? Um, and so Malachi is rebuking them, the people of God, for being half-hearted. He's like, don't be half-hearted. God is going to refine it. But the, this is the unique part. He rebukes them in love. He's, he's appealing to them about the love of God. Now, so when we think of the love of God, we think of, no, he, he, he loves me. He, he forgives me. There's grace that he delights in me, right? And those are all very, very true. But he's appealing to them, no, no, in love, he's going to refine you, right? And so Malachi is pleading with them, saying, don't be half-hearted, guys. Don't be... Don't, don't be wavering back and forth. God is going to refine. And in other words, he's just saying, God is jealous for you. He loves you. Um, and as a loving father, he's not going to allow harm to come to his children per their nonchalant, like, hard-heartedness. But God loves you enough that he's not going to let you pull that harm in yourself. He wants to refine you to get out of that, um, that realm. And I think there's a, um, a great quote that Really, and I'll do my best to back this up with the Bible, too. I don't like to just throw out quotes, even if it was a theologian. I think a great quote that really encapsulates this is um, a quote uh, by a man named J.I. Packer. And what he says is this. Still he seeks the fellowship of his people and will send them as gifts both joy and sorrow to detach their hands from the things of this world and to attach those things to himself. Okay, so first things first. God sent us joy. Yes, amen. We want it all, right? Everybody, nobody here is going to disagree with that. But it says... He sends us sorrow to detach those things from, so detach our hands from the things of this world. And so let's be real real quick. Does anybody love the things in this world? Like, I'll be real. I, there are some things in this world that I absolutely love. Not all of them, amen, right? Not all of them. But there are some things, man, that I love. Some things I'm tempted to worship. Some things I'm tempted to give myself to. Some things I'm, I'm tended to replace for God, right? And in God's deep and abiding love, he says, no, 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 no. look, I'll, I'll send you joy. But from time to time, I'm going to walk you out into the desert. I'm going to show you how desperate you really are for me. 
from time to time, I'm going to walk you out into the desert and show you that you really don't have any control, but I have all of it. From time to time, I'm going to show you, because I love you, how powerless you really are and how powerful I really am. From time to time, I will show you that I am enough regardless to pull you away from your idols, to pull you away from the things that distract you from me. From time to time, I'm going to show you that you are not in control, and that's a good thing. I am in control, and that I can be trusted, right? But look, I don't want to just give you a quote and run with that, because again, even though I do believe this, this line's right up in the Bible uh, perfectly, I want to back that up. Um, so that's what he's saying, but uh, I think a verse that really backs this up is, is in James. James is a great book if you want to punch in the face. Um, James 1, starting in verse 2, it says, Count it all joy. Love the word all there, right? Um, Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. Love the word various too there, too, right? Various. What's various? Various is like your mother's, like, junk drawer in the kitchen. Like, you don't know what's in there. Anything. I mean, a knife, screwdriver, a pamphlet from the Grand Canyon. I don't know. Because we're in Pittsburgh, something Steelers is in there, right? It's it's the junk drawer. What's in there? We We don't know. Various. So count it all joy when you see trials of various kinds. Is that sickness? That's various. Is that relational? It's various. Is that job related? Various. It all fits in the various category. And he's saying, so count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. Why? Why should we do this? For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. Okay, so it's testing our faith. But you guys realize that God knows where your faith is at, right? Like, it's, it's not, he's not testing your face so he can see where you stand. It's so you see where you stand, right? He's not up there thinking, oh, God, I hope he makes it. I don't know. Like, he knows what you're going to do. He knows where your faith is. God is strengthening you. He is thickening your roots. He is th- he's strengthening you in so many different ways, ultimately, so you would be more, just shine more boldly and brightly for your joy in his glory. That's, that's, what, is, that's what he's about. And with, without scriptures like those, or without scriptures like the one I just said in James, I think what can happen, um, if we're not careful, what can happen is we can get this one-inch deep version of the gospel where we think we give our lives to Christ and then we just skip and hop until eternity, right? Nothing's going to happen. Like, but it's not what we experience. Like, it's not what we experience and, and we start doubting, right? It's like, God, Christ isn't working for me. I gave my life, to, Lou, I gave my life to Christ two years ago. Why am I still in this mess? It's not that easy, man. I, I, I'm doubting. I don't know what to do. Like, where, where, what am I supposed to be doing in this point? And what James is saying, no, no, expect these things. Expect trials. But know that God is at work. And here's another scripture that really goes along with this too, and this one's even more of a hard one to take. It, it Romans 5, 3 through 5. It says, not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings. So let's take that. Let's be real for a second. I can count it all joy. Count it, calculate. All right, yeah, I can see. I can count it all joy because God's at work. I can see that. But to rejoice, I'm going to need the Holy Spirit on that one. I can't, I can't rejoice in my sufferings. Why? Like how, how, can I, how can I possibly do this? And he says this, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit that's been given to us. And so what he's saying is, look, guys, rejoice. God is building up your endurance. Like, does anybody run in here? Anybody know what it, or any type of working out? Anybody know what endurance is? It doesn't come by easy. 
I used to run. I used to do track in college. And man, that, endurance comes when your lungs burn. Endurance comes when you want to stop running because you can't, you feel like you can't go another step. It's, endurance comes when your muscles are so sore that you feel like you're going to collapse. And what Paul is saying is right here, say, brothers, rejoice. Rejoice when your lungs are burning. Rejoice when you want water so badly that you can't even bear it. Rejoice when your muscles are sore because God is at work in the midst. And so I think it's so important for us to see these two texts um, because we often don't talk about that as Christians, right? There's so many aspects. God God is so mysterious in so many ways. Like We can understand him at various levels, but there's so many other aspects where he's just so brilliant. He's so mysterious that we, we don't understand how it all works out, right? Man, I get that he loves me, but man, what is, why is this happening to me? I get that he's for me, but man, I feel like right now he's against me. What, what am I supposed to be doing right here? And so what I think, there's two responses that we can have to this that I think can or cannot be true, um, but it's, I'll, I'll get into it. Um, but there's two categories or these two responses that I think are, really can set us up for failure. And the first one is this. When we're going through these, when these trials, when we're going through, the first is this, a, a hyper-spiritualized, the devil's trying to get me. Now hold on before somebody tries to rebuke me with theology. Satan exists. Satan is very powerful. Anybody that would sit here and mock the demonic powers, the strongholds, is ignorant of an enemy just wreaking havoc underneath. I'm not here to diminish Satan or say that don't worry about that. No, no. It's a very real power. He's a very real enemy. He does not like you at all. But see, what I see time and time again in the Bible is that we find things like this, spiritual strongholds, demonic power, Satan himself. We find that these things are more like dogs on a leash than they are just set out to free will to kill us. Do you get what I'm saying? And I think one of the perfect examples of this is, is Job. Right, right from the get-go, if you read it properly, like, Satan, the, well, most theologians will argue the accuser is Satan. He literally has to ask God for permission to do something to Job. Literally has to ask. And then God gives him parameters on what to do. Like, if we're not careful, we'll elevate Satan up to God. We'll, it's almost like the yin and yang. Like, they're, they're, there's these power, equal powerful forces. Look, they are not on equal levels at all. God created Satan. God is sovereign. I don't want you to admit, don't, <laughs> don't see, I don't want you to, like, say there's nothing to worry about, but don't elevate him to something that he's not. Even in, I, this is a, one of the funniest scriptures, I think, is in uh, Luke 22. This is another example of where you see that he, Satan's really on a leash. Is Jesus talking to Peter. This is right before he's about to go to the cross. He says, Simon, Simon, listen to me. Satan has asked for permission to sift you like wheat. But don't worry, I've prayed for you. That's hilarious. Put yourself into, if I was in Peter's, I'd be like, wow, yeah. Um, Jesus, you know, I'd love those prayers. Those are great. Um, could you just call him back and say no? I mean, like what? Like really? God, like put yourself in this situation. But here's what Christ knows. He says, Simon, he wants to sit you like wheat, but don't worry, I pray for you. And when you've fallen tonight, before the roaster crows three times, when you when you strengthen your brothers. Look, God always gives Satan just enough rope to hang himself. Christ knows that in the end, it's just going to test Peter. That's going to get him to a spot to even glorify God even more. And that's why he says, I prayed for you. 
And I think even another example is Paul himself. He's like, he says, there, I think it's in 2 Corinthians, he says, there was given to me by God an evil spirit to torment me, um, that I might not boast in my exceedingly great revelation. So God, in his deep abiding love for the, for the apostle Paul, gives him a thorn in the flesh. We'll talk about the worst gift ever. But at the same time, it's the best gift ever. It keeps him low. It keeps him humble. It keeps him dependent on Christ. Look, guys, so many of us want lives where dependence upon Christ isn't necessary. Because we believe this lie that we or the things that we want will be better gods to us, and it's blasphemous. It leads to bondage. It leads to failure. I mean, think of the, even the, script, I mean, the, the, the song that we're singing. Leave me where my trust is without borders. We don't believe that for a second. We want, <laughs> we want comfortability. God, I'm afraid, to, I'm afraid to give you everything. I kind of want to be able to just do this and have Jesus on the side. And Christ is saying, no, no, no. I'm the only answer. Guys, we don't necessarily want a life of ease as badly as we want a life of freedom. It is a good thing to be desperate, to be hungry and needy for God. Blessed are the poor in spirit. That's what Christ says. Right out of the gate. Sermon out of the mouth. First first sermon. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Those are the ones that will see God. Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are the brokenhearted. I mean, do you think Christ is lying? Like, why would, he, why would he say something like that right there? Look, and look, I'm not trying to tell you to go search for these things. Like, oh, so God really wants me to have this, this suffering life so that I can appreciate. No, no, this is the great thing about a Genesis 3 world. You don't have to look for it. <laughs> it's coming after you. And we all know this. If you live this life long enough, you know exactly what I'm talking about. And um, I know that some of you right now are just going through just hell. There is just stuff happening to you, and you're like, God, where are you? Some of you are the lost loved one. Maybe it's jobs. Maybe it's, it's, maybe it's financial. Man, financial is huge. But the promise is this. God is at work in the mess. He's refining. He's moving. And it's not necessarily the enemy. But look, okay, even with it, I encourage you to rebuke the enemy. Uh, pray against enemy. Pray, ask God for overcome spiritual strongholds. All those things. Those are all good and right. I'm not, again, I'm not, I'm not trying to diminish that. But as we cry out for that, as we plead with God to take these things away, which didn't stop Paul, right? Paul pleaded with God. Three times I asked him, man, take this thorn away from me. And God said, no, no, no. My grace is sufficient in this weakness to sustain. And God, I mean, and Paul, I mean, we all know the story of the Apostle Paul. So that's the first mistake that I think we can do. Is we, we just elevate, it's a hyper-spiritualized the devil, a demon gami kind of a thing. Again, those exist. I'm not trying to diminish that. But know its role. Um, the second thing um, that I think we can fail to do, or the second thing, that, and I think this one just straight up is wrong, is we feel like we're being punished, right? Um, so when difficulty arises, when we get sick, when there's relational strife, when finances are out of whack, all these things, we honestly think it just it caught up to us, right? Finally, he, he saw everything I did. I knew, man, I knew it, Lou. I knew I should have gave that money to a homeless guy. I knew I should have been more, more serious about my devotional life. I should have been praying more. I knew it. And finally, God's like, ha, I've been just adding these up, just adding them up. And finally, I'm going to let it on you. 
Look, let's be straight. The Lord's, Lord disciplines all that he loves. But his discipline is never, never meant to consume or destroy his children. But to rather woo them, reconcile them, and reset them back to him. In fact, um, and this is why I said in verse 6, I think it's the most important verse, and you need to highlight this in, in verse, ver, Malachi 3, uh, verse 6, because this is it. He says, for I, the Lord, do not change. Let me tell you why that's so critical. Um, because it means the Lord doesn't change his mind concerning you. Like, do we get that? Like, God saved us at our worst, right? We're all in, uh, in agreement with that. Like, it wasn't when we, we didn't, like, clean ourselves off. He's like, ah, oh, I can see a little bit of gold. Let's try it out. No, no. It was while we were sinners, he says, I want this one. He reaches down in the muck in the mire, brings us back up, and is cleaning off ever since. So do you get me? That God is not tired of you. He's not getting impatient with you. He doesn't want to mulligan because you can't figure it out. He's very, do you not know the God, the God of this universe is intimately acquainted with everything you will do prior to the days you've lived them? Like he knows in two years you're going to train wreck that mug. He knows in two weeks you're going to do something so stupid. And he still wants you. Even after giving our lives to him, he still says, no, 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 this is mine, and I want it. Listen, if you are sitting here tonight, and you, and you call yourself a Christian, you are, you, you've submitted to the lordship of Jesus Christ, you do realize that your judgment day is over, right? Now look, you're going to stand before God again. And you're going to give an account to the life that you've given. But when your file is pulled, it is just going to be dripping with the blood of Christ. And the reference for your judgment day is going to be the cross. And you're going to be deemed spotless, perfect in his sight. And the sweetest thing is this, and it wasn't because you did anything for it. It's all because of what's been done for you. God is not trying to punish you. Believe me, you would know if it was him. Read the first three books of the Bible, you'll see God's punishment real clear. <laughs> That's what some of you are experiencing right now might just be the discipline of God, but please, please do not see that God's discipline is heavy-handed or harsh. Isn't that what immature kids do, right? Everybody know that I, I grew up, I'm the youngest of uh, six kids, so I got a big family. Uh, one of my favorite aspects of being the youngest, I got a lot of nieces and nephews. Um, one, uh, you have one of my sisters here, she goes here, and if you know her, Vanessa, she and Drew, they both have three kids, and I'm going to pick on one of their kids right now because people know him, uh, Zarian, Zarian, I love that kid to death, I love his personality, I love the energy he has, but here's the funniest thing, there have been times when I, I'm watching over Zarian, there are times I'm watching where he's either going to do something that's going to hurt himself, he's going to hurt somebody else, so I, I take something from his hand and I say no, and you would think I shot the kid. Like, just on the ground laying, oh, my God, like, I can't believe you, Uncle Lou, I can't believe you can do this. And he's like, I can't, I mean, he's just flipping out, flailing on the ground, and it's kind of hilarious. But we laugh at that. But don't we often do that with God? Look, just because you, something's been taken from your hand, just because you've been sent to your room, just because you've lost something that you thought was yours, does not make God and his discipline harsh or heavy-handed. And by the way, this is another thing. Sometimes God's discipline isn't because you did something wrong, but because he wants to lead you into what is right. Do you know that? So don't think 
um, don't hold this thinking that God's trying to discipline or like to judge you or punish you. Um, so much of the discipline of God. And so, see, that's the other thing we we want to try and like almost like check the boxes, right? So if we, if we, so you're telling me, Lou, if, if I'm good, then I don't need discipline, and so then God, I won't need the discipline. But no, you don't. You don't check the boxes with God. There's no. There's no discipline for that. Like there are there are sins in your life that are just underneath. Man, I wish I would have known this when I was younger. Like, there are just sins in my life that I didn't know existed until God in his deep abiding love to me disciplined me. Showed me, like, no, no, Lou, this isn't of me. This needs out. So, guys, with that, um, if God is that refining fire, so what, so I kind of left it out there. What do we do then, right? <laughs> what, what should be our approach to navigating in the middle of this? Because it's, what are we supposed to do in these desert seasons when it's, when it's painful? Um, with that, I have three things, and then we'll end. Um, the first is this. Wait on the Lord. God can accomplish so much more in our waiting than a thousand years of our doing. I promise you. He doesn't, <laughs> he doesn't need you to do something. Wait on the Lord. All right? Secondly, we have to be honest in community with God. And this is, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stay on this one for a little while. Guys, the refining love of God does not work when you're not honest with him or honest with community. So look, if you're sitting here tonight and you're just, you're, you're, re- you're wrestling with doubt, right? Guys, someone needs to know about that. Someone needs to know. Don't come in here and fake it. Guys, someone needs to know that you're going through this. Like, the Bible's very clear. Difficulty is common among believers, flat out. Martin Luther, the great reformation, like, he even says, faith is a wrestle with doubt. Like, we know this. The Bible's full of this, and it honestly looks like it's almost against us in some ways. It's like, there's so much, so much that's going to be thrown at you, but just know that God is on your side. And there's something so pathetic about the American narrative where we think being desperate, being needy is, is some, like, something terrible to be. Because there's something so beautiful about just being desperate and honest. And say, God, I, I need help. Because that's what the church is. Look, if you're struggling with not knowing how to read the Bible, get help with that. If you're just throwing fancy words like sanctification around because you're like, oh, justification, that's fun. Yeah, well, is that like, get real. Who are you fooling? Just get real with the people. Inside. That's what the church, 19 North is supposed to be an ER. It's not supposed to be a country club. We're going to come here and, and just pat each other on the back like, yeah, life's great. You just come here every week. I just hope Maddie sings Oceans one more time because it's amazing. <laughs> oh, yes. But underneath, everything is just a mess. And look, I'm not telling you not to pray. Look, always, with full heart, worship God. But don't put on this facade like everything's together. Because come to 19 North with your pain. Come with your struggle. If you, if you don't know how to pray, you're just like, Lou, I'll be real with you. I mean, I'm like... God, um, that Pokemon Go is going off, right? You know what I'm saying? Like, I mean, you just don't know what to say. Like, be real. Guys, there's so, so much beauty in just being honest. Don't, don't put up this facade. Like, man, I wish I would have been more honest with this earlier on. I wish I would have just stop, stop pretending to be this Christian that I'm not and just come and be like, guys, I'll be real with you. I'm really struggling with this. 
wish I would have done that years ago with pornography. I wish I would have just been honest with people and say, man, I struggle with this, but guys are too prideful to admit it. I can't, I can't tell people at church. They'll judge me. Guys, that's what the church is for. And if we can't do that in church, then we are doing church wrong. But here's the thing. I just had a meeting with all the 19 North leaders right here, and I got to see their heart. I got to see them praying. I got to hear Zach talk about what he wants to do in 19 North. Do you understand their heart is for you? No one here is going to be like, oh, my goodness, I can't believe. How are they struggling with reading the Bible? That's like, that's the first thing you do. No. Guys, be real. You've got a group of people here that absolutely love you. I'm blown away to see their heart just to see people like you come into these doors to experience God. They're not interested in judging you. They're not interested in making you feel a certain way. They just want you to know God. And the final thing um, that we need to do, and this can sometimes be the hardest, is we need to surrender to the process. And this is one we don't like the most. Um, But here's the thing. If God is a refining fire, and you refuse to let go of the things that he's asking you to let go of, that is not wise. It is not wise. And look, I'm going to say something, and I don't think you're going to disagree with this, but God is smarter than you. And he's smarter than you. And he's for us, and he's not against us. And so God will, will break the hand that refuses to let go of what will harm it. Now hold on, but for some reason, like, wait, so... I'm not talking about, he's not going to put your arm in a cast, so calm down. I'm not saying that. Uh, a real-life example for me is when I left my job in D.C. to do this thing with Silver Ring thing, man, I struggled with it. I said, God, I don't want to do this. And I knew it was going to humble me. And so that, I said that prayer. I said, God, all right, I need to be humbled. There's a part of me that wishes I didn't ask for that prayer because um, <laughs> he did it. And he did it lovingly, but it hurt. Because I didn't let go. That's what I mean when he'll break the hand because he loves you so much that he's not going to let you hurt yourself. So I was like, God, I don't, I don't want this anymore. Man, sanctification is hard. It's painful. It's exhausting. But it is the most beautiful end ever. God isn't just interested in saving you. He wants you to be more and more like his son. And so when he's disciplined you, know that. Just let go. I'm trying to get to the point in my life where I can just be like, when I feel like God is telling me to let go of something, I just do it. Because I'm like, I don't want to go through that. It's not like he's causing me pain. I bring the pain on myself. I refuse to let go of the things he's telling me. He's like, no, Lee, that's, I, I need that. I'm, but God, look at all this. I'm doing this really, really well. Like, don't look at this right here. He's like, no, no, that's you too, and I want that. So drop it. Just submit to it, guys. So tonight, I'll end with a quote, like I did last time. Actually, it was a a poem, so we're ending with a a quote this time. And I think this is a great uh, quote that really sums up what our response should be in all of this, what our response should be in these desert seasons. Um, And it's a quote by Charles Spurgeon, if you don't know who that guy is. This guy literally started the first, like, megachurch over in England, and still, to this day, is like a tourist site. But he drastically, like, wrestled with depression. Like months at a time wouldn't be at the pulpit because he couldn't get out of bed. That type of depression. And what he says about God is this. God is too good to be kind. No, excuse me, geez. God is too good to be unkind. He is too wise to be confused. If I cannot trace his hand, I can always trust his heart. Guys, look at me. Don't lose heart.
God is at work in the mess, right? If you've come here tonight weary, man, my hope is that you're encouraged. I know that's, that's not the, the message. The message really is encouraging, but it kind of can be a, a punch to the gut. But guys, I hope you leave encouraged. If you're sitting here tonight and you're like, man, it's going really, really, really difficult. You think it's a little ironic that you're here tonight? I promise you, I didn't want to do this topic. I promise you, Zach had nothing to do with this. He didn't tell me, hey, I think, like, the fact that you're here, and maybe you're like a once a monther. You don't think it's a little ironic that God has you here tonight? He's not trying to give you, like, just a cosmic hug. He's trying to say, I, I, I know. I'm here with you. Man, you being here alone is objective truth that God loves you, that he's for you, that he's not against you, that he wants to refine you, and that he wants to bring you more and more like his son, that he delights in you and that you glorify him. The writer of Hebrews, uh, I think, said it this way, and this is what we're going to end, and this is the best thing to say with this. God disciplines all of his children, and anyone who is not disciplined by the Lord is not a legitimate child. Guys, congratulations. You have a father that loves you enough to not give you everything you think you need. So if I can get um, Nate to come back. I don't know if he's over there or not. Um, if Nate wants to come back. Yeah, sweet. So before we leave tonight, um, I just want to just get, end in prayer, just get real though with it. I mean, if you're sitting here in, in, in pain, you're sitting here struggling, but maybe, maybe you, you don't have a relationship with the Lord. I know we didn't really display the gospel message tonight, but I'm telling you, the God of this universe loves you. He wants an intimate relationship with you. And there's nothing you've done that can separate you from that. There's nothing you've done where he's going to be like, yeah, but I can't fix that. He wants every aspect of you. But if you are sitting here tonight and you, you say, no, no, I'm a Christian. But you haven't gotten honest with him. You haven't really submitted to his discipline because you think you're a better God. You think that you can do this, this life a little bit better. I mean, how's it working out? just wants all of you, but it's for your sake. He's not this cosmic killjoy. He is ruthlessly about your joy. So I just want to end in prayer tonight. Um, so maybe you are sitting here tonight, and so if I can just get everybody to bow your heads and close your eyes for a minute. Maybe you are sitting here tonight, and you're just saying, um, yeah, Lou, I, I, don't, I don't have an authentic relationship with the Lord. I mean, I've been to church. I know. I mean, I've been to the stuff like this before, but I don't know if I've authentically just repented. I mean, maybe, maybe you've gone to church your whole life, right? But for some reason, just something inside of you just says, "Man, that ain't that ain't me," and I want it to be. Tonight's your night. God is here in this place. He knows you're here tonight. He knows what you're going through. He says, I love you regardless, and I want you. So if you are sitting here tonight and you're saying, man, I don't have a relationship with the God that created me, but I want to. Can you just do me a favor right now? Can you just raise your hand real quick? I'm not going to pinpoint you out. I'm not going to make you feel weird. But if you really want a relationship with God right now, can you just raise your hand for me real quick? And I'm not going to... I mean, I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to try to do anything weird. I just want to know if you, if you authentically want to just give your life to the Lord, repent, and just 
really submit to the Lordship of Jesus right now, God, as you just get your hand on them. Awesome. All right, well, we're going to actually do something that I did last service, too, that kind of worked a lot. I want everybody just um, open your eyes real quick. Um, you know who you know who you are if you raise your hand. That's awesome. That's that's it. I mean, that really, that's the step. The Holy Spirit's already working in you. I didn't do that. That's you. I mean, that's the Holy Spirit working in me. He's somehow using what I said, which is unique. <laughs> but what I want to do tonight uh, before we, uh, because I'll explain why we didn't go into prayer real quick. What I want everybody to do right now is I want everybody to just come to the front. We're going to go into one last song of worship. Uh, and you can spread out. You don't have to be around your friend. You don't have to be buddy-buddy with anybody. Just spread out. Just be... Um, be comfortable in that spot. Um, for those of you that are, that, those of you that did raise your hand, it, it, you want to make that look, look, it's very simple. I normally would lead you in a prayer, but I'm not going to do that tonight because I want you to just authentically give your life to the Lord. I don't want you getting caught up with the wording I'm saying. Literally, all you have to do is this. God, I'm sorry. God, I need you. I know it's, it's because of what Christ did on the cross that I can have a relationship with you. And God, I'm asking for that right now. I know I'm not good, but I know you are. That's it. I just want you to do that with him. And maybe, look, even if you didn't raise that hand, just do that right now, all right? Because what we're going to do is we're going to go into this worship. You might not know the song, but what I want everybody to do is I just want you to close your eyes. I want you to listen to the lyrics of this song. I want you to worship God in your own way. Fully give yourself to him tonight. Fully surrender your, your whole life, not just some of it.
to just meditate on that lyric right there, Abba. I belong to you. That's the foundation of the gospel. He's saying, I want you to see me as dad. I want you to see me as father. That's the only thing that's going to work. That's the only thing that's going to change your heart. Can we sing that one more time? Just the Abba, just sing that over and over again. And Abba, I belong to you. your hand, when we're in the midst of that desert, when we're in the midst of, of this, when we can't see where you're at, we can always trust your heart. We can always trust the fact that you suffered with us. That you put your son on a cross all to have a relationship with us. Something we don't deserve. Something we never uh, could purchase for ourselves. We're done with this. Everything's good. No, no. We know that you're in the work. We know that in the midst of this life, when it gets messy, is it painful? Yes. Is it hurting? Yes. But we know that you are God, that you are sovereign, and that you love us. Father, let us never forget that. Let us never forget the great love that you have for us. And that there is nothing, there is nothing that can separate us from that. So, Father, I thank you for 19 North. I thank you for every person in this room, that you have great plans for them, that you have plans uh, to use them to glorify you, which is the most fulfilling thing we could ever, ever ask for. Father, I just ask that we be blessed as we go out.